Oh, it's your favorite time of the week. All your work is done, and it's time to relax. So come, grab some friends, and let's get lit and join the rotation. You are now in the rotation with Suncoast Normal. We are your host, your Suncoast Normal Executive Board, and we say it's time to legalize it. Sunday in Ebor City, where it all began, and where they have an auto show today with some really cool cars. It's a spooky and car show. It's a spooky car show. Ooh, and here we are right. in the uh, <laughs> Chillum CBD Emporium at 1714 7th Avenue in Ebor City. It's time to jump, and I'm not going to pound on the table the rotation. That was so smooth. You must be sober. I, I no, 300 milligrams today, <laughs> but <laughs> 300 milligrams for today's show. And we're going to prove that I work better on high amounts of cannabis. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, I am your political director of Suncoast Normal, Gary Stein, with my co-host, uh, Carlos. Don't call me Pedro. It's a Mexican thing. Armida. Yeah, stop. I'm Cuban. <laughs> and... Coming from above the Beltway, we have our executive director, Chris Kano, who's going to give us a, a lowdown on what's been going on. But first, let's also introduce our special guest, and I'll go ahead and pass it on to you, Carlos. Uh, this is Francesca. She's uh, part of the Epilepsy Foundation. I'm probably not the best person to introduce her. <laughs> so um, she's having a, a, the Epilepsy Foundation is having an epilepsy walk today, and epilepsy is such an important part of the medical cannabis realm. That's and true, that's right? uh, something that we talk about, right, Gary? And the, yes, and if, if it, I hate to say it, but if it weren't for our, for epilepsy, we wouldn't have so many programs right now because it did trigger uh, the Meta uh, Weeds program, and which which allowed, which allowed a lot of CBD bills to come online, which have evolved into cannabis programs. So, You're talking about that whole weeds Sanjay Gupta type thing, yeah. Right? And it was all because of the you know, the uh, the amount of empathy poured out for uh, Charlotte Fiji with her Dravet syndrome mm -hmm. that we have gotten onto this this, this place. And so mm -hmm. we have respect for the folks who, who work on epilepsy. We know how dangerous the disease can be. With every single seizure, there is just a little bit of that, that that we lose every single time. But and the whole idea is we need to stop it. Let's go even deeper into that because the epilepsy really does have an even deeper uh, uh, issue with uh, you know the the families that struggle with it. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I've seen epilepsy really put families in some really trying situations, and. Uh, Big ups to you, Francesca, for trying to help everybody out. Like, it's it's very selfless to do that. Um, you know, medical marijuana being a part of this whole medical marijuana activism scene, I, I, I've seen it firsthand, and it's it's terrifying stuff. So, Francesca, what is your skin in the game? Okay, well, I first have epilepsy. Oh, I've had hi. It, I am 44 years old. I've had it since I was five years old. So, um, I have to take drug medicines because... One thing that I explain to people is that um, I wish I could take medical marijuana because 
Um, uh, I'm about to get a license for sleep, so I take it for that. Um, but uh, I'm on the advisory board of the Florida Epilepsy Foundation, and we are the main in Central Florida. So we control everything. So what we have done is the Epilepsy uh, Foundation all through the United States has said that people who have uncontrolled seizures is another alternative. Because what we're trying to do is show people that it's okay to get it, whether you're older, to help you with sleep, because it helps with that, and to teach parents that this is another solution, like you said, with the Sanjay Gupta thing. Because I having someone with epilepsy, I'm not going to lie that I think it's probably a good alternative for kids because as you grow, like, and I just remember this, uh, whatever medicine you're taking and, and you're lucky to have controlled um, seizures, it, it starts to adapt to your hormones and things like that because I didn't have, my seizures were under, uh, under controlled to uh, probably till the age of 12 and then my medicine adapt. So, but, uh, but for kids, like you saw with Charlotte, as she grew, she, she adapted to it. She actually, I think she died of COVID. She didn't die she, from like actual seizures. It, it was COVID related and it actually was a, was a cardiac thing that occurred. Yes, it was COVID related. So, um, what we're here to do is one of the most amazing things. We're having our first annual statewide. It's all over the state of Florida. They're having a walk. And um, I'm announcing, and it's so amazing, we're the, the very, very first, we got two dispensaries, Move and uh, Cure Leaf, to be a part. And um, I know, Chris, uh, y'all are putting on it, and it's called Hashtag Go Purple. Um, we're wanting people to walk and spread the word. And um, if you donate $100, it's on that link, you get a t-shirt and you get to have that. And the more people we can get involved and to understand, because if you look at me, um, you're like, that woman doesn't have epilepsy. And to understand this permanent disease, I mean, I would have people come up to me and say, you don't look like you're epileptic. And I would be like, do I have to have a stamp on my head or something? But it's so important, especially you're right, it's engaged the the this community and it helps people and we're just trying to spread the word to get more people involved and and i believe that if we do this this could probably help pass more bills because parents in schools are having problems like with dosing and it's a lot of work because a lot of kids are using this and there's 30 to 40 percent of uncontrolled seizures i'm lucky but most people are not lucky. And the Epilepsy Foundation nationwide realizes that. And they've written letters to the FDA saying that this is really important, cannabis is important. And I, and I think this would be a good, good step to help people uh, to legalize cannabis because it's too hard. I couldn't imagine a parent with a child going state to state or an adult who actually is maybe it actually works for them trying to go to another state and saying you can't take your medicine over there if i don't take my medicine i will have a seizure and and just to be and i would i i would die so if you have cannabis and you try to take it to another state this is a, a sole reason why i think medical cannabis should be legal because you can't travel to texas or 
another state uh, without with the risk, and a parent would take a risk for their child. So, yeah, Texas is a whole nother thing altogether. Yes, it is <laughs> a whole nother thing altogether, and um, they don't give you a lot of choices. A lot, yes, they don't give you a lot of choices. But I'm using that as an example. I'm actually from Texas, um, uh, but it's the whole idea that they would take that risk if it's actually working. And um, we need to support that, especially with kids. Kids, this is working with them because they're growing, their brain is adapting. You know, um, you know. sometimes we're old and our brains just get set in their ways. Uh, and, uh, and I think this is such an important thing that the more that we support and show and get more people involved, I think the more um, uh, uh, it will affect Congress. And that's why I'm here. And um, so if you donate yes. to us, show it, that would be the best. And that's the most important thing, just to change lives with people with epilepsy. I love what you're saying, Francesca. And I'm sorry, Gary, let me just jump in here. Because like, that literally is is a, like a big part of my personal life. I like seeing right? you motivated. The... <laughs> The, it doesn't happen often, but um, no. When I first started this whole medical marijuana thing, like there's there's a, a point that most activists have to like come out of the pot closet and they have to just say, you know, fuck it, let everybody know I smoke weed, you know, and let everybody know that I, this is what I do, this is what I stand for, um, and um, you know, there was a point in time where like my parents are very old school Cuban conservative. And there was a point in time that that when I was doing this, uh, they really just didn't get it. They just didn't understand. And my mom specifically had like a really hard time trying to understand what was going on with her son that was really passionate about getting marijuana legalized. Um, and what happened was I introduced them to Giselle Delgadillo of Canna Moms, hey, who, has, who has uh, a, a son, uh, Bruno. Bruno, who has Dravet syndrome. And um, she she was telling my parent my my mom I'd never forget it. It's like you could see it just clicking for my mom. She's like Giselle told my mom that uh, I my son's prescribed veterinary medicine. Right, I have no other choice but to break the law to save my son's life. There's nothing else that's helping him. Right, this is how this is this is how my son is going to survive. As a mother, I have to make marijuana legal. Right. And then my mom was like, oh, shit, there's moms that are going to jail because they're trying to keep their kids, you know, alive. Right. Holy shit. This needs to be legalized right now. Right. And that was just a big turning point. And it was when my mom could, like, really step into that that scenario and put herself if my son needs this. Right. I'm going to jail. That's the way that's the way it goes. That's and, and I, it really stands like with everything you were just saying, like a parent is going to take that risk. There's no no if and or but about it, right? It, it doesn't matter what parent, um, what their background is, what their beliefs are. If it means breaking the law, right, smuggling marijuana from state to state, right, or my child dies, right, they're going to break the law. There's no if and or but about it. Now, interestingly enough, just a few blocks from us, of course, is the uh, Licata home, where Francesca Licata, who uh, had a son with uh, what they call dementia precox or bipolar disorder, and uh, when he went ahead and bust up his school, the, uh, she convinced the uh, chief of police to let him um, stay home and let her mediate his issues at home. 
because she did not want him going to any of the asylums at the time because they were not doing very well for any of those people. Hmm. And so she, she medicated him at home using cannabis. And uh, when cannabis got pulled away because of a, a big sweep, that is when he actually went ahead and, and killed his family. Hmm. And give it, giving a, a Harry Anslinger his nice little narrative, which he took on to help make cannabis illegal in the first place. But this was a mother's love for her son to go ahead and make certain he had the right medicine that it was all about. And, her, and the father, too, who actually was doing the rolling for him at that time. <laughs> and even, even the, Thanks, the, the chief of police said, you know, the, the, the damage that was done was not because of cannabis. It was for the absence of it. But that, that kind of thing never got to Harry Anslinger because he took the file when he destroyed that part. Yeah, was, I agree with that. Actually in the file. Yeah, because if you if if once a parent sees a child have a grand mal seizure, and I encourage the viewers, this is why you know donate a minimum of a hundred dollars. And if you go online and type grand mal seizure or tonic seizure and look at one, it is the most scariest thing to see in the world. So scary. So, yeah, it's so scary. I encourage a viewer just to go on YouTube and tie it and and and, and view one because. And, and if that's the medicine, a parent will do anything to go across the, the, the straight, the state to do that, you know, and they're not going to say, I'm not going to take it. And um, so they'll go from state to state, no matter what, they'll hide it in their suitcase, you know, and, um, and, and especially if it works, if, because if all other medicines haven't worked, they're not going to be like, oh, I'm not going to give this to my child. Um, parents love their children, so they'll do anything. So, um, donating to the cause, donating to research, making it known, making it predominant at walks and conventions pushes these, uh, all across the country, pushes it even more to say, look, we're here, um, we're powerful. And we know that's how, we know that's how uh, politics works. So this is just how it is. <laughs> We don't have a lot of a lot of data in regards to how much cannabis was used for absolutely outside at the turn of the century. We do know, however, that Park Davis was making a uh, an extract of cannabis that they were selling, and they were eventually backed off of it because of the of its illegality and places, because they couldn't get the formula right. It kept on going, you know, <clears throat> potent and subpotent, potent and subpotent. So they dropped that. And one of the things they started to develop after that was Dilantin. And actually, Park Davis as a company actually survived on Dilantin as one of their main products for many, many years because epilepsy is so widespread across the country. And it was interesting that they actually switched from cannabis to Dilantin, but that was the case. But we have instances of cannabis being used for, uh, for epilepsy as far back as, for instance, Pliny the Elder talked about Julius Caesar who had tonic-clonic seizures. I didn't realize it went back that far. Holy <laughs> shit. Well, he, 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 wow. des he described basically pretty too much to a T that Caesar had these tonic-clonic seizures, and they would put a, a cannabis cane wrapped in the leaves into his mouth, in part to keep him from swallowing his tongue. But they found out that when, he, when they did that, his seizures lasted much shorter period of time than if they didn't. Really? I didn't, I didn't notice that. I, I thought you were going to start talking about that O'Shaughnessy thing, like that that medical marijuana, the first <laughs> medical marijuana study or whatever. Yeah, he, yeah. He, did, he did some interesting studies, and there was ex interesting studies in the 40s that were done that Anslinger actually had stopped. Oh, really? Yes, because they started out by using these uh, these THC analogs, and he, he got wind of it, and he made certain that the experiment itself in 1947 was stopped. Huh. Well, for, nice for, guy, isn't he? 
<laughs> Francesca, on a different note, I I actually have a question for you. Uh, with with uh the the little bit of experience that I have with with epilepsy with my medical marijuana work, right? I actually have no idea how these walks actually work and how people ben how how the foundation actually benefits from them. So, like, how can people get involved? Good question. Okay, so. The cool thing about the Epilepsy Foundation, number one, is like, I don't get paid anything. I'm an advisory board member. Most of our money goes to research and things to help people with epilepsy. Like Mm -hmm. 90% of it goes to that, which is, you know, that's the wonder because, you know, a lot of these things. So you can, um, the way that the walks work is you sign up. We have a link on there. And yeah, then I got, I got yeah. you to hide your face with your flyer for a minute. <laughs> yeah, you can snap it right there, and then it takes you there. That's the one, the Tampa. That's the one that Move and that Move and Cure Leaf signed up for the Tampa one. But you can also go to the one in Bradenton if you want. And then you sign up, and if you donate a minimum of one hundred dollars, you can donate anything you want. Then you get a T-shirt, and then you can also volunteer. You can go online. To uh, to the Epilepsy Foundation Florida um, and volunteer as well. Um, and But that's how they work, and you go, and there's going to be a big ven- vendor event. It's a huge annual event, the first time ever that we're doing an annual event. And we haven't done a walk in two years because of COVID. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and then you walk. It's kind of like – it's kind of like a – a, a small um like 1.2 walk like a very small like not even a 5k and you walk around and then we if anyone wants to sponsor um y'all can contact me i, I can put it in the chat uh we that's how we have the sponsors i'm still so actually looking that's for how doctors. this works like, like companies sponsor people who are walking you you can um mm-hmm. we have companies that just come in and sponsor us these mm-hmm. the individual donations like you can you can donate like twenty dollars and walk but to get a t-shirt mm-hmm. you that's the amount um okay. once you register you can donate five dollars and walk it doesn't really matter <laughs> okay okay yeah <laughs> whatever you can afford um and uh but uh, we have like sponsors like Move and Curlyf and, and and other sponsors, but um, uh, but the these are just for the register people, and uh, this is the huge state awareness day. We call it Go Purple Florida. Purple is because that's the color for epilepsy, and um, it's just convenient that the state of Florida is purple. <laughs> And um, so that's what we did that with. But it's a great thing to do. You can volunteer, you can support, and it goes to research. Um, It goes to helping people who can't. um, Some people don't have money for places to live, um, or we help them find it in the area, uh, in in, in our area, in in Tampa, in the Tampa Bay area. and so, like, if you need help finding housing or counseling or you're going through a hard time, we use that money for that as well. And we have case managers that help people because some people are on disability. So we do a lot of things for people and where our funding goes through. 
or they need help with medicine. Some people can't even afford uh, regular medicine or, and then this would also go, we're starting to do all sorts of research as well. Yeah, so there's whoa, a lot of whoa. stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, it seems like you got a lot of stuff going on. Um, I just thank you. I, I didn't realize that it's been like a couple of years since a walk has happened. So um, yeah, there's uh, and, and there's a lot of things that just need to get back into the swing of things. So uh, I, I wasn't even really thinking about like nonprofits and because you know me and Gary, we never stop. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> we have no reason to. <laughs> <laughs> Kano, where'd you go? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm like magic. Some one one second I'm there, one second I'm gone. You know, no, <laughs> but I, if I had to throw any any. Uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Chris, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, uh, Francesca, you just woke up. You might as well talk. <laughs> the uh, you know the, the epilepsy foundation. We appreciate um, everything you're doing for the patients, and and I think that's always something that uh, we at at our organization at Suncoast Normal. Have, have striven to to be at the forefront of is making sure that patients are the center of our medical marijuana industry, not profits. And I, and I know that's a, a big concern um, for a lot of people out there, you know, is, is, you know, these are sick people that need access to it. You know, Carlos was talking earlier about, about Bruno and just a, a personal story that, that I recall um, my aunt um, had just passed away uh, from liver failure uh, in the hospital and, you know, I was sneaking RSO in to help her out, um, hopefully, you know, that she would pull through, but she didn't. And I actually had a vial on me one day when I was at an event and I saw Bruno go into one of those seizures. And to see that, you know, the RSO stopped the seizure in his tracks is, is something that, that I was like, wow, this is, this is real. You know, it, 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 so many times along the way, I've wanted to stop fighting because I lost someone close to me in this fight, whether it was my dad passing away or my aunt passing away and I, I wanted to just hang it up. I was like, you know what? I don't want to be an activist anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. The people that I was in this for, you know, have passed on. But then when I see people like Bruno and young kids who can get a shot at life and living a decent life um, because of this, and I see people like yourself working with others to push this forward with Epilepsy Foundation, it gives me the reason to want to keep fighting. And so I want to ask all of our viewers today that if you could do something uh, out of the kindness of your heart, if you have the $100, sign up for the epilepsy walk, get the t-shirt. But even if you don't have that type of funds, you know, make your own t-shirt and donate five bucks and come out to the epilepsy walk. Yeah, that donate was, something, yeah. You know, every little bit counts because you all um, have a sense of legitimacy um, in the halls of Congress and in Tallahassee that oftentimes Gary, Carlos, myself, we've sat in the room with, with Governor Ron DeSantis' staff and seen the, the disdain and the, you know, we've sat in the room with, with, with both Senate Democrats and Senate Republicans and seen the dismissiveness because we're a marijuana uh, legalization advocacy organization. But you all as the Epilepsy Foundation carry so much clout and it's important right. that, that we, we forge these partnerships because um, w without you all being able to bring that clout and, and show that, look, we're a legitimate organization that's been around for a very long time helping sick people. And medical marijuana is something that that provides relief where most other things don't. It's something that the politicians have to pay attention to. Right. And that's why, you know, I was trying to find, uh, you know, finding doctors as sponsors, finding more people coming out to the events, getting more vendors. Then parents are like, oh, then that that that's why it's so important because then parents are like, oh, the epilepsy, they see it. 
it's on a we sub we as a group saying yes we support this but once you see the vendors the doctors sponsoring us coming out there saying oh because then parents are like oh i want that oh the epilepsy foundation then more and more information gets on the site then the parents are like oh i need this i need this help and then then slowly becomes part of the case management saying oh if you can't do this do this oh, well, you know, then normal has these groups and the studies, and then it just slowly gets embedded, right? It comes part of the case management stuff, and that's the goal, and that's why, you know, I'm doing this, you know? Francesca, yeah. what you just said right there just made things so clear for me. I mean, things are just so clear. I think it's time for a moment of clarity. <laughs> That was that was that was so smooth. That's so cool. It was so smooth because that's how I see it. Because it's not part of our. It's not that they don't want it part um, of the case management. It's just that you have to push it in there slowly. Like I understand, you know, I used to be in DC. I used to work in the federal government. I understand how politics works. Like I know the game. Like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nope. Interestingly enough, in the times I've been in Tallahassee, I've, I've had a chance to go to the Epilepsy Foundation's awards ceremony. It was usually on the third floor of the uh, the Governor's Club, which is an exclusive place you only get to go to. It is kind of some kind of a special occasion. I remember when Matt Gates got his award, again, for, for putting out SB 1030 back in the day, and other prominent Republicans who have, who have basically gotten those rewards year after year after year. So it, the... the the Republican uh, folks in Tallahassee who are in control of it are always have a roots in trying to help out with epilepsy, which because it, yeah, it has that no, certain empathy to it. We care, we care, but I, everything's a, a slow process. Like we voted for it, we want it. All the doctors that are on the board that they, they agree with it. I said, but you know, everything's a slow process, so we're just trying to slowly get it in. They were very happy to have the dispensaries as a supporter love to have a doctor doctors online to contact me um uh just to be there to talk to the the parents because there will be parents there just more and more but it is a moment of clarity and i would just love just kids just to to be on medical marijuana and not to be on the drugs that i'm on i'm grateful for her, but i'm i'm just old <laughs> Well, you'd be interested in knowing that this is last week we got a Senate sponsor for our reciprocity bill. Oh, good. Now we got to work on the House so that if when someone is coming into Florida and they have a medical card in another state, they can purchase products over here so they can have the products here without having to break the law by taking it across state lines. And uh, we, we, we are going to go ahead and push that for you so we can try to help out all the patients from other states who want to come here. Uh, to to Florida and not freeze their tuchas off in Colorado. <laughs> That's right. With, with all the with all the epilepsy uh, re, uh, refugees, as we've called them, uh, the refugees who who, who, who had to go over there. But now, in regards to today's news, let me just start out by mentioning the fact that for those who have had a chance to read Plato's Republic, it has this one Ooh. little statement in it, which says which says that necessity is the mother of invention. And basically, that means that when, when when all else fails, 
something new happens out of necessity. And that is basically where we got Delta 8. Because we had a we had a system where we had CBD only, and sometimes it doesn't always work. And then we have states like Texas where it's still CBD only, and they have no intention of moving forward. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, we, we we took a look at this laboratory uh, uh, enhanced product. Delta Eight is in the in, in the hemp plant, but it's usually in very very low quantities. But by using solvents and, and acids and things of that sort in a controlled atmosphere, you can go ahead and, and pull it out of the flower and then be able to make it and put it in other things. And that is basically how Delta 8 is made. And a lot of folks are upset about the fact that it's not an extraction, but more of a reaction. And so therefore, we're not certain about what other isomers are coming out of this product. And again, it's not regulated because regulation sometimes is the... the, the, the uh, how would I, I don't know how I'd put that. It's the killer of innovation. It really, really is because oftentimes they stop you from doing the things that help you move forward. Same thing with the banking situation. We actually have so many problems in regards to banking in the, in the uh, industry that out of necessity, they're actually moving towards Bitcoin because it is an ir- unregulated currency and they can't get to it right now and they can't pull it back for those people who are trying to use the cannabis. So we have found oftentimes we have to go ahead and, and change things. Now, a lot of folks are not happy about Delta 8. Some people really, really like it. It's, it's, a, it's a mile high. It's kind of nice. And we haven't totally gotten all the regulation out of it. And some people are concerned about whether or not it's being made, you know, in somebody's basement, that kind of situation. <clears throat> and other people take great care in making certain it's a, it's a fine product. And, and Carlos, you probably had this, these people come up and ask you those kind of questions in the shop. Yeah, people ask me those type of questions all the time. What do they say? Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to get high, man. Um, no, they they come in and um, they they do show a, a quite a bit of concern. Not as much concern as they did with just like regular CBD, um, but there was a there's a quite a bit of concern about uh, 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 whether or not Delta Eight or any of the other cannabinoids, um, like THCO specifically, would be a uh, a pretty big uh, uh, one to to share, but um, they 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 show concern for whether or not there's any harmful chemicals in it. They uh, specifically um, uh, relating it really to spice. They think like this is this is going to be something similar to spice. There's a lot of there's a lot of differences, um, and I do think that Delta Eight's a little bit safe, a, a lot safer than spice. Oh yeah, we, we had police raids pulling all the spice out of every single gas station and corner store and flea market that was pulling out there because there were there were folks who were having rather severe reactions against it because it was not really a real product. It was a synthesized product that they would spray on, say, for instance, hay, and, and yeah. put it and put it in bags with Scooby Doo on the cover, and, and try to push that. And it, it was just a, a bad situation altogether. And I'm glad we're distancing ourselves from it. So well, I think. The question is, is uh, first off, whether or not uh, Delta-8 is synthetic or whether or not it's a naturally occurring cannabinoid. And I think also the question is, is like whether or not all those those uh, those solvents, those acids and whatnot that, that you use to, to make that conversion are still present in the final product. I think those are the two main concerns. Um, and I think the answer always just kind of it's, it depends. Well, if I if I might rag on Texas just a little bit more, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Big state with a lot with a lot of problems, and their legislation is a 
not putting all the greatest things out there. But last January, they actually very quietly decided that even though the DEA has not put uh, Delta-8 into the uh, controlled substance schedule, they actually put it in the state-controlled substance as Schedule 1, mm-hmm. right next to Delta-9. And just this last week, it actually had their very first arrest. Oh, in, yeah. in the little, not not in, uh, in in Harris County where all the where all the people are living, but in a little tiny uh, county over on the east side called Brazos County, this woman who had bought her product legally and was driving in her car was stopped and was given a felony uh, charge for having uh, a Delta Eight. Um, <clears throat> I think it, I believe it was a, a vape cartridge in her, in her car, and because mm-hmm. it was a concentrate, it's automatically a felony, and so therefore, that's what that's what Texas decided to do. They're actually going to start pushing it through. And they, when they asked the attorney general, why is it done this way? And they said, we be honest with you, here's what we know. We know that Delta-8 can be synthesized from either hemp or cannabis. And so therefore, since we don't know which one it actually came from, we have to go ahead and make it all illegal. Pretty dumb. That's, a very, that's a very Texas mindset, yeah, mind you. Very <laughs> when in doubt, arrest. It's kind but, of like stop and frisk. But the CBD is uh, <laughs> the CBD is okay. Like you, you can't tell if you got the CBD from cannabis or if you get it from hemp. Yeah, exactly you know? right. Um, and for some people, CBD works absolutely perfectly for everything they need. Some people need more in the way of THC. But of course, in Texas, you cannot get any more than 03 percent THC in any of the products. Although they had a bill last year which was going to raise it to one percent. Yaha. as far as texas is concerned we 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 love texas it's our next door neighbor but they got oklahoma right above where they've got a a a, a medical program which is absolutely fantastic and of course things are going on in arkansas and a lot of the other states around texas but texas who has its own power grid has no problem going down free joe exotic (laughs) joe exotic has his own uh, cannabis line synthetic illegal Synthetic marijuana illegal, and the cops hate it because it makes everyone go crazy. Well, that was so, the spice stuff. There's, yeah. there's other synthetic cannabis out there, like Marinol, that the drug companies make, and that they actually found some usage for. But to be honest with you, it doesn't work all that well. It's kind of like having a motor without a, without a steering wheel. So by so just actually, having the THC all by itself and synthesized, you don't have any guidance in regards to how to how to actually make it a medical product. I'm glad Francesca asked that question because I think it's important for us to give a quick history lesson here in understanding why synthetic cannabinoids exist in the first place. It's because of the Schedule One status preventing research on cannabis. The, the fact that scientists in the lab want to research this and see how it helps and that they actually can't because you have to jump through a million and one hoops to get access just to research on the the sole uh, grower of government's cannabis, which is at the University of Mississippi, Oxford. You know, now in the modern era, and when I say modern era, I mean the last couple of years, we're seeing an expansion of, uh, of, of DEA applicants who can actually grow cannabis for the government. But what happened was research scientists had to synthesize in the lab, um, and I believe it was the University of Auburn that first did it, uh, JWH108, which was a synthetic um, version of THC, Delta 9 THC. And that was eventually um, hijacked, if you will, that formula. Folks figured it out and they started selling, um, you know, the K2, the spice, uh, it, it, you know, with this JWH108 on it. Well, when the Florida legislature and other government agencies all across the country moved to make uh, synthetic, uh, you know, THC and synthetic cannabinoids illegal, which they're not safe for human consumption in the first place. They were used on laboratory rats. 
um, you know, the these producers, these illegal drug makers uh, changed up the formula to where they weren't even, uh, Gary, to your point, using synthetic uh, c- cannabis anymore. They were spraying just random things on, on stuff to get people high and it was causing brain damage. So that that's part of the you know when it, when Spice first came out, I remember it was originally just that 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 you know that that JWH one hundred eight, and then it, they changed up the formulas. And now, if you're smoking that stuff, I mean, yeah, to what Francesco was saying, uh, people are going you know experiencing psychosis and all that. But it's not even cannabis, and it's not even synthetic cannabis anymore. It's something totally different. And I definitely like thank you for pointing that out, Kano. But I, I definitely want to point out that, and I'm gonna. This might be an unpopular um, thing to point out. Oh, I hate you already. But, but synthetic doesn't necessarily mean bad, right? Right. Now, now, if I could propose a question to you guys, right? What would be the chemical makeup of synthetic water? Well, that's a bit different. H two O. H two O. So I mean. And you can synthesize water. It's, so here, here's the thing, right? So um, delta eight is a is a molecule. It's a molecule of structure, right? And in order to molecular. synthesize, uh, yes, molecular, <laughs> molecular structure, right? <laughs> um, so in order to synthesize this molecular structure, right? Scientists in the lab need to make this specific molecular structure into, into doing that. Yes. So whether or not delta eight is synthetic. I don't think matters a whole lot, right? What I think matters is whether or not those 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 solvents, those acids that are used in order to change the molecular structure, Gary, into from CBD to delta eight are still in there, right? Yeah. I don't think it's whether or not the delta eight is an issue, right? I think it's whether or not the distillation process that this company uses to bring out their delta eight is a good process, right? Well, I again, think that's it, a, I think that's a thing. It's the double-edged sword of regulation. I mean, Greg Gritterman has said before, uh, in a in a situation where the, the the process itself is not fully regulated, people try to take shortcuts. They get away with actually leaving solvents in that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And again, if it's not fully studied, we don't know if the reaction has gone too far. What other isomers are coming out of the cannabis that may not work as well as they're supposed to and aren't supposed to be there. Now, I can tell you that right now, one of the things we're going to hear about in the next session is THCP. THCP is a cannabinoid which is oftentimes in trace amounts in cannabis, but they're finding ways to go ahead and augment it and bring it out. And you may have heard last year, they have found a THC that's, what, 30 times more uh, potent than regular THC. That's the stuff. And the reason it's more potent is because it's often found in trace amounts in cannabis. So when they bring it up to an amount where we could actually interact with it, they don't know just how far, just what will come out of it. Yet, I have actually read articles where people have said that it keeps them high for like two or three days. So this is kind of a situation where we're messing with the plant. The plant it came to us in a certain form with, with, these, with these certain cannabinoids, these certain uh, terpenes, and those particular things were created to go after certain health conditions in the, in the, in the human body. It's how we even evolved, for God's sakes. Gary, I got to say, I those of us who smoked and toked survived. I saw Carlos's reaction when you say you can be high for two or three days, and Carlos, myself, and probably every other party watching, we're like, and that's a bad thing? No, like dead, dead ass. It's like the, rea- yeah, the difference in reaction depending on the audience. Oh. Right? I'm sure. I'm sure. Like no to pop people were like, "Oh my god, three days! Oh my gosh, they're gonna die!" 
Oh my God. Like, yeah. it's like the, that, that truth commercial where it's like the friend is like, oh, melting she used to be couch. so much cooler. <laughs> now she's melting into the couch all the time. And I'm like, I'm trying to smoke what the melt in the couch shit. I'm smoking the fucking, I can't find my key shit. That's when you turn in the guy in the half baked the half baked movie, the guy on the couch. We don't have much research into this except for these Timothy Leary types who, who go through anecdotal research by, by saying, we're going to go ahead and take this stuff and go ahead and describe the experience for the next three days. That's not research, guys. That's Timothy Leary. Okay? You know, to, to, to point, but to your point, what Carlos said earlier, Gary, is that the, we can cut down on, on the Timothy Leary experiences. We can cut down on, on all these novel cannabinoids having to rise to the top, if the government would just do the right thing and legalize the plant as it is in its natural form and allow people to grow it themselves. That's right. I'm also yeah, you know, guy. and I think that's a, just to say a perfect example, like, yeah. and so in, I, I've watched all the CNN, Sanjay Gupta experiment, the series, but in the very first series, when in Colorado with the, the Charlotte's Web, there was a woman who lived in New Jersey and New Jersey made this ridiculous, like synthetic weed that you had to take home. Yeah. And then, yeah. And this woman, she was trying to make it for her daughter and try to help it. And then they were like, you have to boil it and do all this stuff (laughs) to, to try to make the oil. Right. And it didn't work, and the daughter was, and then the whole family had to, the uh, they had both of them to quit their jobs, move to Colorado, get a job, so the daughter could have the oil in Colorado, so she could have a new life. And one thing but, that Rick Simpson has said often times, if you're going to go ahead and start making these products at home, if you don't have enough, enough ventilation, you can get into some serious issues if you don't know how to control the reaction. Okay, Gary, Francesca, I've got that. a very, I'm sorry, Keno, I've got oh, a very, I got to get this out, man. I got to get this out. All right. So, Francesca, I've got a very important question to ask you, right? So, I recently took a, a trip to Colorado, right? I'm very used to, to eating RSO from Florida dispensaries, right? Typically, my dose, whenever I eat, and we were joking about it in the beginning, that I, I ate 300 milligrams before the show. Typically, my dose, whenever I eat cannabis, is about 100 milligrams a dose, right? So um, I'm in Colorado, this fucking Mecca marijuana in America, right? <laughs> and I'm freaking out because all of their edibles America. are 10 milligrams a piece. And I'm thinking I got to fucking eat 10 pieces of candy every time I want to eat cannabis, right? And none of the places there are selling an RSO, right? I can't get anything that has my dose of marijuana, right? So people – and those laws are made because people who don't smoke weed don't understand dosing, Right? And they don't understand that there's some people that need 100 milligrams per dose, right? And yet they they limit the marijuana per edible because they're scared of the kids and all of that. Let me ask you, is if somebody with epilepsy could be high for three days, right? If somebody could have their, their, their medicine last for three days long and worry very little bit about medicating, wouldn't that be an ideal situation for them? Yeah, you know, and I think like... So Ryan, my husband, he takes RSO oil, mm. and uh, you need this pretty strong dose to go to sleep when you have ADHD and have epilepsy. 
because that RSO oil pretty much not, is there to make your sleep to go to sleep. Ten milligrams would not be enough. I, I take my RSO to get out of the house in the morning. <laughs> now, obviously, uh, one, of, one of the things you have to have when you're having epilepsy, when, you're, when you have that seizure, is you have to have some kind of acute remediation because you want to stop that seizure as soon as it starts. And But if you could start, stop it before it starts, if you can have a, a preventative measure by having a, uh, <clears throat> a concurrent dose every day so that you don't have any seizures at all, yeah, would so, that ultimately yeah, be so... the best? Yeah, right. Like, so for I'm different not an people, expert, but if somebody's taking takes something and it lasts for three days, right, and that specific thing can help prevent a seizure, right? Yeah, so wouldn't like, an epileptic patient really want to take that? Yeah, yeah. So I would say that. So I'm, I'm obviously not a doctor, but so if you're if so say if especially an adult, right? I would not experiment with that because. <laughs> Uh, be honest please yeah um i would probably use it for sleep you know Uh which i'm gonna go get a license for because it helps um to shut my brain off because as an epileptic person you get more shakes at night which can prevent a seizure but as an adult you're you're i like to say my brain has adapted to the what i call the toxic uh, pharmaceutical drugs so it works but as a someone who is like younger you could probably try it but um but someone who's an epileptic patient you would take it like probably a daily dose twice a day like i take it as medicine it's like the oils but you don't get high off those oils it's just an oil mm-hmm. you know and i'm sure you don't get so and it would probably be a pretty strong dose like it would probably be like 20, 30 milligrams just to stop it. Because especially if you have strong seizures, like if you have a grand mal seizure like mine, you know, I, uh, I take 450 milligrams twice a day. You're dealing with something pretty strong, you know? Um, and I, and I was told by the doctor that there's stronger people. I was like, what? I was like, I thought that was high. <laughs> as a scientist and, and as somebody who grew up in the uh, quote unquote legitimate drug world because my dad was a pharmacist uh, I think that it would be best if we could have some kind of research done the way that MAPS has done research on, on uh, psychedelic mushrooms to see you know, how the brain changes and what form it changes so that you can, you can tailor the dose properly and have a, have a safe a product by saying it meets all these benchmarks and, and standards yeah. you, you don't have to put it in a pill you can still use it as cannabis but find some way of standardizing it so that you don't you don't affect the, the vulnerable out there with a product which won't work enough or may work too much I think neurologists today, to be really honest, I have a, a really excellent neurologist in DC. His name is Dr. Golan Mohamedi. I know he believes in medical marijuana, but he, I think he believes it in starting with kids young. But I think they really like not, I think they over prescribe pills because I'm hearing that they're giving like 1500 milligrams right off the bat. I think they're just scared. So they start really high instead of gradually that's no way to titrate yes yeah and i hear that and there's there's good neurologists but i have to tell you there's a lot of bad ones like i'm really lucky my dad was a doctor he was like no you're not doing that like sometimes i feel like people with epilepsy are like an experiment and um 
and you really have to like watch them and it's better just to start off at a low dose and and like at what i'm at and then say okay if that doesn't work come back and 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 just monitor it and and yeah and that's scary but no one needs to be a zombie <laughs> true the thing with, with research you have to have a control group somehow and of course if we're talking about something that something that affects epileptics you have to have an epileptic in the control group as well because somebody who doesn't have it you're not going to be able to figure out whether the product is working or not but the question is in ethics can you actually give somebody who is an epileptic a placebo that right that that that, that kind of like puts that, that that borderline in regards to ethical clinical practice. So they, they have to go with whatever they can in regards to finding ways to get a product and then and know that it's fully efficacious and fully right. safe. And, I, and, and people who do take, even if you are controlled, like say like me, I recommend just to have medical marijuana for uh, getting the shakes because you still yeah. get something yeah. just to calm the brain, um, to be able to sleep better at night. Um, I, I recommend it, have it as a supplement because it helps, like it helps with the brain. It helps, um, to keep you up. Oh my God. Because you're so tired. The, the sativa will help you, uh, have energy. Um, I recommend that. Uh, because you get so tired during the day because the medicine makes you sleepy and you can't function. So it's, it, it's good to have anyways. Um, uh, you need all that. So even if mm. it's controlled, it needs to be, I, I thoroughly believe it should be part of a regimen. <laughs> I say yeah, we I, give everybody THC. No, I, I do too, but, but in regards to Delta-8, with all due respect, I think it pretty much is still essentially a recreational substance. We don't know if it has any medicinal value as of, as of yet. And do you really want to experiment on yourself with something which may or may not work? That is the, that is the issue at this point in time because they haven't had any research before it came out. So well, let's, I, let's let's chime in on that real quick, then Gary. I mean, look, I I, I use the Delta Eight products that that I acquired uh, from Chillum, and I can tell you that you know that it brought me uh, relief from anxiety, uh, you know, relief from pain, you know, not in the level that that I would get from some of the Delta Nine products that 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 are available out there, both in the medical market and the legacy market. But it, again, it's about access in many cases too, um, you know, folks even still in Florida, still in Florida, where there are hundreds of dispensaries, there are entire areas where folks don't have access to, to medical cannabis uh, dispensary, you know, close by their home. Um, they can't afford delivery service. Uh, folks necessarily working class folks can't afford uh, the doctor fees and the, and the recommendations and to get the card. So, you know, again, this goes back to access is that Delta eight provides an alternative and in in yes, um, you know the, it is consistent that it really does matter who's manufacturing it, and it matters the retailer that you're getting it from, and whether or not they do their due diligence to research the manufacturers, the process, the safety, and the efficacy. So, should the government get involved and regulate? You know, right now the Department of Agriculture is regulating our hemp industry, and it's doing a fairly good job. Florida has some of the most stringent 
labeling requirements when it comes to, um, you know, it's hemp market and hemp products. But all in all, again, all of this goes back to we wouldn't be even be talking about this if the government would just do right by people and legalize it. And our, our state government can do so much more. And, and the reason I want to say that they can do so much more is because, you know, they've had this, this system in Florida since 2017. And we see other states now rolling out um, not just medical, but they're rolling out adult use programs that get it, that are fixing it. New York passed a 128-page bill, but in that bill, you know, for, for all what conservatives talk about, oh, what's in the bill, what's in the bill? i tell you what's in the bill. Regulation. <laughs> well, in the bill, adults 21 and over can possess and purchase marijuana products from licensed retailers. Effective immediately once they passed that bill, there were no penalties for public possession of up to three ounces of flour or 24 grams of concentrates. So, you know, mm. the, the, you know, adults are also able to wow. cultivate up to six plants for personal use with 12 per household. Wow. And, and people with marijuana convictions... Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, for marijuana-related activity, uh, automatically had their records expunged. But I think the most important part of that bill is that there are protections against discrimination in housing, educational access, and parental rights for people who consume cannabis or work in the cannabis industry. And those are protections that currently do not exist in Florida. And those protections are essentially a piece of social equity. Do 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 not take down the people who need to be brought up. That, that, right. that's, 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 that's the basic issue there. Yeah. And they also, in the bill, uh, allow for social consumption sites, you know, delivery services. Um, nice. But I, I think the most important thing is their their employment standards. You know, Gary, you and I have been fighting for, for employment protections in Florida for the past four years now. Yep. And in New York, they have become the first state to set such an explicitly high bar where both public sector and private sector employers are barred from penalizing people who test positive for THC with very wow. small exceptions. And there are people, the exception is people who have CDL licenses. That's about it. Well, that makes sense. You know? You know what, it's interesting that you say that about location because, you know, Ryan and I travel back and forth from the Keys and he's like looking for a dispensary. The, I have never seen one. The closest is Miami. Hmm. I do not. I've. He's never seen one. There, there is a truly been Key West, for what it's worth. But, but speaking of, of, of uh, <coughs> truly, they actually have a Delta Eight product. So I don't know the answer to this one. But if you go into a truly and buy a Delta Eight product, do the milligrams of Delta Eight that you buy come off of your recommendation as THC? Does anybody know that one? I mean, I would assume so. Yeah, I would assume so. There's nothing yeah. sold in a in a medical dispensary that doesn't go into the registry. Well, then why the heck would anybody buy it if they could buy it someplace else and not lose the milligrams off of the recommendation? Oh, big one there, big one there. I mean, that's also just a thought. The big available <laughs> at Chillum Hemp Dispensary in New York City, but also the fact that that uh, the amount of what patients are prescribed or allowed to have should be increased significantly. I mean, you know, what Carlos said of, of what he has to utilize, you know, in order to, to help him. Uh, one other thing I wanted to, to, to definitely clear up was um, the smell of cannabis being used as probable cause 
for a police stop is also illegal in New York now, as well as in Virginia. And those are that is a key criminal justice reform measure. I think that has to go into any state that's trying to move forward and move past prohibition. Is that as long as the police can use cannabis as a reason to drag you out your car and try and find something wrong? I mean, we got deputies in Florida in Jackson County who are planting heroin on people in order to make collars to make their quota for the month. So Florida has a a highly corrupt law enforcement system. I mean, the cops of Miami are corrupt. They just got their police chief out of there for investigating corrupt officials. The cops in Tampa are corrupt. And I, you know, except for those TPD officers that are the ones that that protect Chillum, we we have a DUI. Ebor cops are good. Ebor cops are good. (laughs) The DUI squad in Tampa is corrupt as shit. One of the most corrupt units in, in, in the country. You know, by federal standards, by investigation, by anecdotal evidence. So, you know, if we have a corrupt law enforcement structure in Florida, we have to hamstring them. We have to take these tools that they utilize to ruin people's lives out of their toolbox. And one of them is marijuana smell as probable cause for searches. I got it. So one more legislation piece would be to uh, eliminate that as uh, as due cause to go ahead and, and do a search. And that would create the standardization because right now we have discrimination of of the police if they want to go ahead and and put you in jail or give you a a civil citation. They're given a lot of leeway. Yeah. You you really have to make friends with with your local gendarme. Yeah, it's I. That's what I was trying to say. Like the the local cops in Ebor are treat me so much better. Like cops treat you better if you if you run a business, right? And they they understand that that business has a big part to do with uh, their money making. There's specific cops that are made in certain areas that their their job is to reach out and to be friendly with local businesses, right? Um, so one of my favorite things to do is to call the cops on a shoplifter and have them go out on, into the town and look for a bong. <laughs> and, and try to find somebody that stole a bong from the place. If it if it, Anybody ever steals a bong from Chillum, I will call the cops on you, and I will make the cops look for you and arrest your ass for stealing a bong. <laughs> so don't cop a bong, or the cop the cops will come back after it. Well, Carlos, I, I think the the cops need to arrest that chicken that ran up in your shop and did all that damage. <laughs> see, he's still on the loose, from what I hear. <laughs> it's so hard to cuff a chicken, you know that. Matter of fact, Carlos, you need to get a wanted poster and put it right up on the in the in the window there at Chillum with the chicken's picture, man. Right. I, think, I think I saw that on a Family Guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I could just see Carlos and the chicken fighting, fighting like Family Guy. <laughs> Actually, I was in New, uh, in Santa Fe, and there was a guy who was wanted for stealing books. Stealing, the books. stealing oh, books. bookstore. Wow. <laughs> were, were, were those the ones that they expected to burn that night? You, no, he was stealing really <laughs> fancy books, and then he would go, and then he was also wanted in the art store for stealing the fancy. He was wanted all over the Santa Fe Plaza. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the guy is very generous with his time. <laughs> <laughs> but we are working on regulations right now. Like I said, we were lucky enough to get a, a sponsor for the reciprocity bill. We also got a Senate sponsor now for the employee protection bill, the medical protection bill, and also the expansion of qualifying conditions. We all have now Senate sponsors for those particular four bills, and we got to get ones in the House. So we would like you guys to go ahead and contact your your local representatives, the ones that you are a constituent of, and talk to them about whether they'd be interested in sponsoring any of these four bills, because these are things that are are, are important to so many so many people, and there is inst- uh, interest even within the Republican Party. 
we're going to go in, in front of the HHS committee this week and we're going to see what we can do about getting those those put through. But I would always recommend that you contact your legislature if you if might be interested in, in, in helping the sponsor, either the employee protection bill, the medical protection bill, <clears throat> the reciprocity bill, or the, uh, the bill to expand qualifying conditions. These are things that will definitely help people because it'll, it'll delineate a lot of things and, and remove a lot of problems and issues. And lots of love to you, Gary Stein, for working so hard and diligently we are on still- trying to influence Florida politics. We are the only normal chapter out there, at least that I know of, that in Florida <laughs> that will will write legislation and try to influence lawmakers to adopt it. So that that is such a valuable thing you do. I've even been asked to go ahead and, and craft, craft some legislation for some people who are interested in other things that they, they see as, as important. Mm-hmm. And we'll, 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 we'll look into those as well. But we want to make certain that we protect our medical program. I mean, we are going forward and we, are, we eventually – may have wrecked because of the fact that, well, I hate, hate you call it that, I'll call it adult use anyway. Uh, <clears throat> we have Charlie Crist, who has said already that he would legalize cannabis if he's brought into office. Nikki Freed, who has said that she would uh, legalize it. and But she's also said, we will make certain there's a separation between the medical and the adult use program, which is important. I think that, that was a great issue for her to bring up as well. We don't know where uh, Annette Tadeo stands. So if anybody in South Florida knows where she stands, let us know. I, I'm curious to find out where Kano's leaning. He hasn't really said much, whether he's Chris or Nikki Freed or if he's undecided. Um, yeah, I'm reserving my endorsement for being uh, steadily impressed. Uh, you know, both candidates have come out strong and swinging um, in, in the grand scheme of things. I, I'm still uh, I'm still on the fence. Uh, you know, I need to be convinced. You know, so, uh, you know, if uh, making me commissioner of uh, marijuana regulation is in the books, then, uh, you know, that candidate would probably be the one that would get my endorsement. (laughs) For marijuana commissioner. (laughs) Uh, No, but all all jokes aside, I I, I think, um, you know, having major party candidates take unabashed uh, uh, stances on this. I mean, Charlie Chris said, as governor, I, I will make sure people have the right to grow marijuana. If you told me that Chain Gang Charlie was going to say that shit 10 years ago, I'd call you a bold-faced liar. You know? I would say so, too. That's really shocking. <laughs> yeah. So so, so there's always the, the politics make strange bedfellows argument. But then also you have Nikki Freed, who was a marijuana lobbyist prior to being commissioner of agriculture. You know, so each of these candidates have their own take, and they come from a different place of where they derive their, you know, their sense of, of justice from uh, in this. I, I'm I'm Team Nikki. I'm I'm gonna go out and say it right now. I, I'm Team Nikki Free just for how well she's regulated the hemp industry in Florida. But I, I I'm willing to bring up the the you know I don't think you gave her enough uh, uh, enough criticisms actually because you, you brought up some good criticisms. She's a lot of people say uh, she's really embedded with uh, the the corporate cannabis world well let's bring her on the show and we'll, we'll we'll have that conversation because if it's a conversation that needs to be had we'll have it i think we should yeah and, because and, i mean look uh, as much as i want a candidate is going to advocate for us if you're advocating selling us booth you're not the candidate for me right <laughs> and, and don't sell me no booth man now on the on the uh, on the, the other side ron DeSantis has what is called the incumbent's dilemma which is when you're campaigning for progress, how can you do that when you're the incumbent and you have to say, I'm going to do more than I'm doing right now? 
which is basically the issue that he has to deal with. He has to he has to maintain the status quo in order for him to move forward as the incumbent. And right now, the status quo is not what we're looking for. Gary, I'm glad we talked about this last week. Ron DeSantis's, um, you know, Office of Medical Marijuana Use uh, continues to support the status quo in a sense of it continues to support institutionalized racism. It continues to support a, a corporate centric, not a patient centric system. And, and when we're looking at social equity, we've been, you know, folks have been fighting for a black farmer to get a license and then they release the regulations and, and black farmers are essentially paying almost triple of what true leave and, and, and those other uh, dispensaries pay for their application fees. So, and I mean, ju- it's disgusting. And, and just as I had predicted, uh, somebody was going to uh, call discrimination on that. And it actually, uh, Nikki Fried has called for an investigation into the rulemaking process to find out why they went from 60000 for an application process to 142 for the very first African-American license. Oh, shit. We're, we're over time for the show. We are. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but, That's no, because we can't stand not talking. Well, we're, we've had such a great show today. And Francesca, thank you for joining us. Um, Thank you for epilepsy- inviting me. I appreciate it. You know, I, I was very proud to see the Epilepsy Foundation uh, take a formal stance on on employment protections and much of the legislation that we're working to advocate for. And we want to continue to work with you all in Tallahassee to, to advocate uh, for the folks that, that we all love and care about. And those are patients who suffer from chronic debilitating conditions like epilepsy, um, like our veterans suffering from PTSD. And if medical cannabis is what helps, then that's what we need to continue to advocate for so thank you for your advocacy everyone go to the gold purple florida epilepsy walk sign up get your t-shirt but uh, donate what you can put a team in it's going to be what uh, november 6th in tampa and then there's another one at the same exact time in bradenton so francesca tell us some more details and close number six yeah it's in tampa Uh uh-oh uh, we just lost it, but we do have her, her, her link up there. <laughs> yeah. And one more quick, quick note. Halloween is this week. If you hear of anybody giving out gummies it, from their home that are infused, tell me their address so I can be there <laughs> and shake them. Because uh, oh, who gives out their medicine? Only, Seriously. Only tell, them, tell me if they give out 100 milligram edibles. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there, there's. Look, parents, check your kids' Halloween candy for edibles. You'll be pleasantly disappointed that there is no free weed in the kids' <laughs> Halloween candy. So, but uh, again, you know, everyone, just join us in the rotation next Sunday. Uh, we need your time, treasure, and talent as part of this movement. So become members of Suncoast Normal. And again, if you join another normal chapter, uh, by all means, that's great. But join Suncoast Normal. I constantly get, hey, I joined it and I didn't get my free T-shirt. Well, we don't give out free T-shirts at Suncoast Normal, but we do give out an amazing membership kit, which comes with that beautiful lapel pin you can see on Gary's jacket there, your official Suncoast Normal membership card. And while supplies last, we still have the Suncoast Normal mask. Uh, available. So if you bought your your membership, go down to Chillum, uh, ask them to. I apologize, my computer. <laughs> no worries, Francesca. We just uh, we're so glad that, that you joined us. <laughs> if you have any closing thoughts, but now's the time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Please join. Please come to the walk. Y'all are part of the cause to make a difference with um, uh, medical camb- cannabis. Because, like Chris said, the Epilepsy Foundation is nationwide and it's national. And the state of Florida is very big. And 
the more that people join and the more that we can get people to make a difference, that parents will become aware and, and get their kids and people and adults, and it will make a difference. Like in that mo moment of clarity, come join the walk, come get questions, and then we can get even more donors, more people involved. It's $100 and you can get a t-shirt. And if you can't, $5, like Chris said, make your own t-shirt. And the more support we get, the more that we can even implement that as part of our thing. So please come and ask questions and, and we can make a difference. It, uh, one day forward. at a time and, um, and uh, we'll, we can uh, change just like we've had in the past couple of years and it can be part of it. Respect. Bye. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This has been the rotation and you have been a part of it you can be a bigger part of it by joining suncoast normal suncoast normal is a organization that can help you make the change that we all need go to the suncoast normal website and become a member because that is how you become part of the change you can find the rotation podcast on both soundcloud and itunes but you can always join us in the rotation at suncoastnormal.org. At that very website, you can join the cannabis movement by becoming a member of Suncoast Normal, gain access to cannabis events, cannabis info, Normal's legal network, and even a free membership to National, all by joining Suncoast Normal. That website again is suncoastnorml.org. You can also find us on social media at Suncoast Normal. Uh, find us on both Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you, Gary, and good night. Good night.